Welcome to A Slob Comes Clean, the podcast. This is Dana K. White. I blog over at aslobcomesclean.com. That's where I share my personal deslobification process. As I figure out ways to keep my own home under control, I share the truth about cleaning and organizing strategies that actually work for real people in real life. People who don't love cleaning and organizing. Thanks for joining me today. This is podcast number 223, and I'm calling it Dealing with Stuff like actual stuff after the death of a loved one. So this is kind of a tough subject. Um, I had talked in some other ones, I think maybe 221. Uh, I talked about, you know, cleaning out the house where somebody's lived for a long time, you know, based on my experience with my in-laws. This is the one that I wasn't quite ready to record. But here we go. We're going to deal with this one today. And it is, it's a, it's a sad, difficult subject. And um, my hope is that even for those of you who are like, well, I'm not in this stage of life, I'm not going through this. You know, I personally learned a lot from this, like from this process, a lot about my own attachments to stuff and my own irrational desire to keep something when I didn't need it or it kind of helped me sort out what really was worth space in my home. And, you know, so I learned a lot that I can apply just in general to stuff in my home, which is what we talk about here all the time with clutter and decluttering and all that. So I hope that there's something you can learn from that as well. But it is a tough subject. I mean, it's not fun to talk about. It's, um, you know, dealing with something that's kind of pretty much the worst anyway. But before I get into that, I was gonna tell you a funny story. Because, we all like funny stories, right? So this cracked me up for multiple different reasons. But anyway, so there is a super secret Facebook group of kindred spirits for people who are patrons of the show. I know I'm sort of advertising this, but it really is a funny story to do with it anyway. But those of you who are patrons of the show, if you're not in that group, make sure you email me so I can get you in it. But if you want to be a patron, or if you have no idea what I'm talking about, go to Patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com slash the slob comes clean. And I'll also put a link in the show notes and you can find out, you know, how to be a patron. And so anyway, people at the $5 a month level, one of their perks is, is getting invited to the super secret Facebook group. So anyway, I got permission from Deanna who had posted something in there that I mean, it, I mean, there's a lot of conversation that goes on in there, but this really got us talking and we all, it was one of those, you know, bonding moments anyway. So she had posted the librarian today was horrified horrified is in all caps, that I had $31.50 in fines. I wanted to just pay them and disappear, but she wouldn't stop asking me questions. Did you not know they were due? Did you put it on your calendar? Don't you get the email and text reminders? I finally just said, I have a condition called time passage awareness disorder. And she finally let it go. You guys, that made me laugh so hard. So for those of you who might be new here, time passage awareness disorder is a totally made up by me disorder that is actually completely real. And those of us who struggle with keeping our homes under control, most of us have this. And it's basically where, I mean, it's self-explanatory, right? But I mean, it's basically where I either put something off because I think it's going to take a huge amount of time that it actually wouldn't take. Or I get myself involved in something um, thinking it'll only take a small amount of time and then it ends up taking a long amount. You know, so like this whole awareness of how long something's going to take and how long it has been since such and such happened. Yeah. So I have TPAD. I can't do library books. 
which I also, I've gotten so many of you who have said, you should check out library books on your Kindle because you know I love my Kindle. Um, I have a post today on that. I have been doing it and there are things I absolutely love about it. There's also things that I don't love about checking out Kindle books in that they return themselves before I'm done reading them. That makes me crazy. Anyway, but this comment just made me laugh so hard when Deanna said that because (laughs) it sounds really official, time passage awareness disorder. It sounds official enough that um, the librarian finally let it go because, you know, I have a condition called time passage awareness disorder, got her to go, oh, okay, maybe I should be more sensitive. So let's all just throw that around as not haphazardly, but as needed, feel free to use that. And if they question you say, yes, I read about it in a book, how to manage your home without losing your mind by Dana K. White. Every year as the school year gets going, I think, huh, we don't seem quite as busy as I thought we would be. And then about two weeks into the school year, I realized that that was just that unrealistic lull and craziness that gets me every single time. We are in the full swing of things now. We actually had four different things going on last Monday night, so we couldn't possibly even do them all because I actually can't be in more than one place at one time. But anyway, so what does that have to do with this episode sponsor? Well, life being busy makes healthy eating harder. Prep dish makes healthy eating easier and actually possible. So what is prep dish? It's a healthy subscription-based meal planning service with a unique twist. Following the plan that Allison sends you each week, which includes a paleo plan and a gluten-free plan, you do all of your prep work in one session so that throughout the week, you can get healthy meals on the table super fast. Try it out. See if it's a good fit for your family. Allison is offering listeners of A Slob Comes Clean a free two-week trial. Go to prepdish.com slash a slob comes clean. That's prepdish, P-R-E-P-D-I-S-H dot com slash a slob comes clean for a free two-week trial. Okay, so we're talking today about dealing with stuff after the death of a loved one. Our situation, personally, so just a little recap, uh, my mother-in-law and father-in-law lived about an hour for us, from us, for a long time, and two years ago, the summer of 2017, I almost said 1917, but two years ago, we had decided they needed to move into assisted living because my father-in-law had broken his hip, and it had been one of those things we were knowing was going to need to happen soon. And they just were not able to safely live on on their own anymore. And they were in their late 80s. So we had moved them down to an assisted living place that's actually just literally walking distance from my husband's and my house. And um, my father-in-law unfortunately passed away, basically right as they moved down here. He had pneumonia and went to the hospital and and he never came home. So, um, so he never really lived there, but my mother-in-law, we had already moved her as he was still finishing up rehab from his broken hip. And so my mother-in-law lived there for the last two years. So that meant that we cleaned out their house that they had lived in for 48 years, I believe it was. So we had to clean out that house. We went through the process over the course of about a year of um, getting that house cleaned out, you know, she was moved in to her assisted living, which is what I talked about last time, you know, was moving her out of that house where she'd been and then getting, you know, getting that house cleaned out to sell it. So that house has been sold now for over a year. But 
completely unexpectedly in June, my mother-in-law passed away, like basically in an instant, you know. So we had to then do the final, final clean out. So we had cleaned out the house where they had lived for all those years. So we had, you know, all the accumulation of a lifetime of stuff, we had dealt with that. But this was the stuff that she had moved with her to assisted living. So it was her most precious possessions that she was willing to use space in her very small container of a assisted living apartment. It was the stuff that she was willing to, you know, to devote space to there. And then her furniture and her just her things that she needed. So it was a much smaller level of stuff. So if this is the first one that you're listening to and you're like, well, the situation I'm in is a, you know, a full-size home with all this accumulation of stuff, go back and listen to 221 because that's where I talk about that whole process. But now, you know, I'm, I'm talking about this specifically, it's over. You know, there, there's not somebody left. You know, when my father-in-law passed away, we really didn't go through all of this because my mother-in-law, you know, everything that was theirs was now hers. And so she was able to make those final decisions on that. And it was tough and it was difficult. But a lot of that is what I dealt with in podcast number 221, where now, you know, I'm talking about this, it's over, you know, and we're, we're dealing with the last of, of the stuff that we had to deal with. And just as some disclaimers, you know, this is our personal situation. And that's where I'm coming from here. A lot of people don't necessarily have this process, although I think, you know, it it is becoming a little more common, I think, uh, for people to kind of be planning out things and moving into assisted living and living in that time. So there's a lot of people who are dealing with this. I'm not saying that what we did is it going to necessarily apply step by step to what you may have to go through. But that's the perspective that I have to share because that's what we've lived, okay, and what we're able to share. So you know, one of the things that was good, and and I don't mean, you know what I mean when I say good, but one of those things that I look at and I go, this was a tough situation. Here's one positive thing to look at. And that is the deadline. You know, I mean, I personally, deadlines help me as much as I don't like them at all. I don't like that pressure. They help me get stuff done. You know, I'm, I'm not one of those people who's just like, okay, well, I'm going to go do this because of, I feel like doing it. You know, it's, it's a deadline. I mean, this is the reality that we were in an assisted living situation. So we had a deadline, you know, where we had a much more extended deadline of cleaning out their actual house because we didn't have a deadline because we were, we had time, you know, it was, they'd had it for 48 years. It was completely paid off. There weren't, you know, there was not a, um, other than taxes and utilities and things like that. There wasn't like a house payment that was coming out every single month that was making it, you know, us be like, we've got to get this done. You know, it was, we had time, we had time to kind of go about that process kind of slowly. This time was she passed away on June 8th. So we had a deadline to get her apartment cleaned out from the place where she lived in assisted living. Um, That can also be the bad, you know, that can be a lot of pressure that can make an already difficult situation when you're dealing with family members and, you know, these final things and who has to do things, who is going to do things, who you know, all that kind of stuff can make it harder, you know, but for us, I, I feel like it was a one positive way to look at things was to say, okay, we had a deadline. So this forced us to go ahead and deal with things. Now, 
other things about our situation was um, my husband and I live, you know, walking distance from this assisted living place. And so the majority of the work of, or really all of the work of cleaning out fell on us. I mean, we were the ones that had this responsibility and were able to, and did this. So um, as we get into that, um, just a couple things to remember, you know, we talk a lot here about decluttering and, uh, well, we talk about decluttering every single week, right on this podcast, but we talk a lot about how it's almost never helpful to place expectations on other people, you know? So like when people ask me, oh, how do I get my husband to declutter? Well, my answer is, you know, I had to declutter my own stuff and neutral stuff first, because those were the things that even though his stuff was way more clearly clutter to me than my stuff was, <laughs> um, it doesn't do any good to put those expectations on someone else. You need to declutter when there was stuff for you to do. You know, so we talk a lot about expectations. I personally worked on my own stuff first and by doing that, then my husband eventually decluttered. And I hear that same story from people all the time, um, who've gone ahead and said, well, I'm sure it's not going to ever work, but I'll just go ahead and declutter my own stuff first anyway. So, but the, the root of that is the expectations placed on other people. It is so easy to place expectations on other people. Well, I would do this, or I just think they should do this. And I'll just tell you, you know, I mean, I I think ours, our situation went very smoothly. We had good relationships with family members and yet there is still that element. So I know for a fact, because I hear from a lot of you and I just know because I live life and I deal with, you know, friends and people who've been through all of this, that those expectations cause a lot of problems in these situations because emotions are heightened. There's just flat out grief going on. There isn't that central person to ask when my father-in-law passed away. Well, we all decisions, we ran them by my mother-in-law where, you know, when, when there's not that central figure anymore, it's really easy to start having expectations and assumptions that we're placing on other people that we're making about other people that generally just cause problems. And so as hard as it is, communication is so important and you're the one listening to this podcast. And I'm so sorry that in a lot of ways, that means you're the one who is thinking through all of this stuff. And when I say, I'm sorry, what I mean is because you're the one who's thinking through this, because you're the one who's being super thoughtful and trying to go about this in the best way, most likely you're going to be the one who needs to initiate communication. And I'm sorry for that because it's not fun. I know that from experience. It is not fun at all to be that person, but it is so important because there are going to be misunderstandings no matter what. There just are. It is what happens. And yet, the more communication you have, the fewer misunderstandings there are. Or if there are misunderstandings, if you can point back to communication, it will either help deal with those misunderstandings and get those, you know, figured out, or it will just help your conscience in these situations, okay, for you to know that you've done everything you could. So I'm sorry, I know. But I'm also going to say don't sacrifice relationships from either direction, either as the person who is the one tasked with doing the work, that's where, you know, if you're the one doing the work, 
communicate, communicate, communicate so that you can help not sacrifice these relationships. You know what I mean? Like communicate as in guys, I'm going in today and this is what my plan is. This is what I'm going to do. I've talked about in the other ones. One of the main things that I would do is I would take pictures and I would say, listen, is there anything you want here? I'm going to set it aside for you. I was not saying I'm going to drive this two hours to bring it to you. No. Okay. You know, it's kind of the same thing. I talked with Connie Albers, you know, about, um, in podcasts a while back about, you know, how much does she store of her adult kids stuff in her house? Well, it all, everything comes down to the container concept. It always does, you know? So, Hey guys, I'm setting this aside for you here. This is the deadline of when we have to be out of this place. So please come pick it up by then because I don't have anywhere to store it in my house. Or maybe you do have somewhere to store it in your house, but you have a limited space. Hey guys, I can devote this one closet to the stuff that you wanted from this situation. So I'm going to keep it here through Christmas. If you're not able to come and get it by then or send me the money to send it to you or whatever, then, you know, I'll be getting rid of it after Christmas, but I'll have it here until then. So, you know, it's unique to whatever your situation is. It's unique to whatever your capabilities are of the container of your house. But, you know, blaming the container is always helpful when you're dealing with sticky relationships and clutter and all that kind of stuff. But the key is don't sacrifice relationships. So if you are the person who is the one who's doing the work of actually cleaning a place out, I'm not saying get stepped all over, but I am saying give some grace and know that, you know, you can't say, Hey, you got to come by three o'clock this afternoon and get it, you know, and they have to work or whatever. I mean, but at the same time, um, you know, so over communicate, do everything you can, but put up those boundaries of, you know, I don't have room in my house. I'm so sorry, but it will be here until such and such date when we have to be out of this space, or I am able to put it in this closet. That's all the space that I have. Okay. But the other thing is from the other direction. If you're not the person who's there to do the work, even if you wish you could be, but the reality of your situation is that you can't, well, then the reality of the situation is that you can't. So you have to give a whole lot of grace to that person who's sweating, because let me tell you, it is a lot of physical work. I mean, I sweated my hiney off, even though I had the air conditioner turned down as low as I possibly could, because it is, it is a lot of physical work when you're dealing with all these stuff of a person's life, it is physical work. And so you won't get me on your bad side, act like it's not work. You know, I mean, like acknowledge the work that the other person is going through and communicate. If there's something you want, don't sit around and go, well, she should know that I want that. She should have known that I want it. No, say, listen, this is something that I specifically remember that I have a personal attachment to emotionally. Is it possible for me to have that? Now, you may have to have grace when they go, I'm so sorry, I already got rid of that, or no, I'm taking that myself, or whatever. But go ahead and communicate what it is that you want. Can you tell that one of my biggest pet peeves in life is people having expectations they don't communicate? Can you tell that? Because it is. I mean, I'll, I'll say that one straight out. I cannot handle. Well, I, I handle, but it is a huge pet peeve when people have expectations and don't communicate, and then they get mad, even though they never said anything. Whew. 
Don't get me started, even though I've already started, but whatever. Let me tell you about one of this episode's sponsors, BetterHelp. This week, we're talking about some heavy emotional stuff as we talk about clearing out a loved one's things after their death. But I'm only talking about the stuff, the actual physical stuff involved. To deal with the emotional trauma, many of you may need professional help. That's why I'm excited to tell you about BetterHelp. BetterHelp is online counseling that allows you to connect with a licensed professional counselor in a safe and private online environment so you can get help on your own time and at your own pace. You can schedule secure video or phone sessions, plus chat and text with your therapist. If you know that you need to look into getting counseling, but you're overwhelmed with how to even start, check out BetterHelp. They have 3,000 U.S. licensed therapists across all 50 states. If you're not happy with your counselor for any reason, you can request a new one at any time for no additional charge. You can start communicating in under 24 hours, though I want to be clear, this is not a crisis line. One big advantage is that there's a broad expertise in the network, which might not be locally available in many areas. Financial aid is available for those who qualify. And best of all, it's a truly affordable option. A Slob Comes Clean listeners get 10% off your first month with discount code CLEAN. So why not get started today? Go to betterhelp.com slash clean. That's B-E-T-T-E-R. H-E-L-P.com slash clean. Simply fill out a questionnaire to help them assess your needs and get matched with a counselor you'll love. That's betterhelp.com slash clean and use the discount code clean to get 10% off your first month. And our final sponsor is Carbona. Carbona is a household brand that has been helping people live life unstained for more than a century. That's a lot of experience, you guys. Carbona offers a wide range of cleaning and home care solutions that deliver impressive results. You'll laugh in the face of stain moments and triumph over the messes. So if you guys follow me on the blog or on Instagram, you've seen pictures of my dogs. I am pretty much completely in love with them. My kids say that I let the dogs get away with stuff I would never have let them get away with. And I remind them that the dogs will always be my actual babies while they're actively growing up and working toward leaving me. Anyway, enough of that. Um, More about, about the dogs and Carbona. Anyway, thankfully, even though Cinder is still in the official puppy stage at a year and a half, she is fully potty trained and has been for a while because house training dogs is the very worst part. It is totally and completely worth it. I would go through it again, absolutely, because I love my dogs that much. So it's worth it, but it's the worst. Anyway, but Carbona's two-in-one pet stain and odor remover will help you get through that stage if you're still in it. Or honestly, it's a good thing to have on hand because things do happen, right? Anyway, it's oxy-powered formula with active foam technology is engineered to permanently remove a pet stain and odor. It also discourages resoiling. And since resoiling is a pretty disgusting concept, yay for that. It also has a built-in two-in-one brush top that tackles stains at the surface and deep in the carpet fibers. Order now and my listeners will receive 20% off your order. Live life unstained. Shop Carbona.com with the code clean for 20% off. Use code clean at Carbona.com to save 20%. Happy cleaning. The other thing to remember, okay, because a lot of you are not in this actual moment right now. You're just knowing that it's coming. 
at some point in your life. And I would love to hear in the comments over on the website um, of these show notes, just go to a slopcomesclean.com slash podcasts with an S and you should be able to click on um, this podcast and give me your your own experiences, because I think that really helps people too. I mean, I'm not the end all be all on this subject by any means, but you know what it is that you did that worked. I mean, we could all sit around and complain, believe me, but you know, what is it that worked? What were some things that you're like, Oh, I'm so glad I did that. You know, give us some of those ideas. Cause again, I'm not the end all be all on this subject, but because the vast majority of you are not in the middle of this exact, exact situation right now, What can you do right now? Well, you know, I I will say my own ability to deal with all of this stuff was made so much easier by the fact that I have significantly reduced my attraction to stuff by all the decluttering that I've done over the years. So I used to just kind of have a huge love of cool stuff you know, or that's neat, or that has some sort of memory attached. I don't really remember what the memory is, but I want to keep it in case I ever remember it. You know, that kind of mentality is what I used to have. It's the reason why I ended up with a house full of clutter and had to start a blog called The Slop Comes Clean. I mean, you know, that's what we're, that was me of the past, but over the years, not by just reading about it or listening to podcasts or whatever, but by actually decluttering my own house, it has changed how I view stuff. I now look at things and I go, that is a heavy thing that I either get rid of now and only have to pick it up once, or I bring it into my home and then I have to pick it up five times while I move it around and around and around trying to find a good spot. And then eventually I'm going to get rid of it. You know, I have this experience of knowing that things like that tend to be clutter, you know, so, oh, look at this neat old fashioned potato masher. Okay, great. Except that I have the decluttering experience to know that I've actually decluttered six potato mashers, you know, and so it just changes how I view things. I have a podcast, I think it came out in December or something of last year, maybe January, about, you know, how to stop cluttering, how to stop bringing stuff into my home. And the cure is decluttering. It creates this aversion to new stuff coming in. So all the decluttering that I've done over the years gives me a very different perspective when I am dealing with all this emotionally laden stuff. It helps me to identify what things actually will just end up as clutter in my house. It helps me to have a much, much better idea of what I can personally handle, what's within my clutter threshold. It gives me a much better understanding of I like the way my house looks. I like the way spaces are right now. And if I bring in more, that's going to be outside the limits of the container, meaning the limits of the space that I have, whether it be a shelf or a drawer or a closet or whatever. Um, And all those things I'm referring, if this is your first podcast, I'm referring to all these things in my books and other podcasts and things. So if you have no idea what I'm talking about, I promise I explain it ad nauseum. Um, in other podcasts. Anyway, so the thing to do now while this is just stressing you out that this is going to happen at some point in the future is declutter your own house. That's the quick version of everything I just said. Go ahead and declutter your own house because it will change how you're going to view that clutter or that stuff um, and whether or not you're going to bring it into your home because you will have a different perspective on what you can handle in your house. 
or it will free up the space that you'll be like, you know what? I do have the space for this end table that brings back such wonderful memories of my, or this rocking chair or whatever of my grandmother's or for my mother's. I'm going to bring that into my house because you know what? I've got the space for it now, or I almost have the space for it, but I understand the one for one concept with the container concept, meaning I can bring this into my house and get rid of something else to create the space for it. All right. So I'm going to go through just kind of the steps that I went through. But before I do, I have to give some more disclaimers because this is the kind of stuff that makes me nervous because this is the kind of stuff that tears families apart. And I don't want to be part of any of that. Okay. So I am going to give my, a couple of disclaimers here. Number one, I'm not giving any legal advice because this can be a legal issue, right? If we're dealing with wills and all that kind of stuff, you better find out what the will says. I mean, who, who's in charge of figuring out who gets what? I'm not. Some lady on the internet is not. So I'm not giving any legal advice whatsoever. Consult your family's lawyers and blah, 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 blah. all that stuff. Yada, yada, yada. I'm also giving no psychological advice and psychological advice may very well be needed here. Okay. If you are completely paralyzed by the guilt, I'm going to give you some step guilt. Did I just say guilt? (laughs) Oh my goodness. I meant grief, but that is kind of funny. Okay. Anyway, but if you are completely paralyzed by the grief, um, you may need psychological help, you know? check out our sponsor, BetterHelp. I mean, really, this is a completely emotionally volatile situation for a lot of individuals, for a lot of families, and you may need to get professional help in there. And I am not that professional help. So that's a disclaimer too. Um, And I already said this before, but all families have unique dynamics. I don't, I'm not part of your family. And I don't know, you know, some families can go through this in a methodical way. Some families, it tears them apart. And my prayer, my desire is that it not tear your family apart. Okay. I I don't want that for anyone, but it happens. And so you may need professional help. That's where the legal advice, you know, you may need to find out every last little legal thing. Well, you're going to need to find out. You do need to find out every last little legal thing, but you know, I mean, depending on your family, maybe you shouldn't make a single, you know, move until all of that has been done just because that is the reality. Okay. It's, is different families are different. So all families have unique dynamics and these situations are when those dynamics show up. All right. So um, a couple of things to remember, I'm not going to call this a checklist because it's not exhaustive by any means, but they're just some things that we learned. Um, one thing we learned the hard way is um, find out dates and requirements. So my mother-in-law was at a Brickdale and we loved Brickdale. I mean, like we, we are huge fans. My husband and I fully plan on moving in to one as soon as we can. But anyway, we, we really, we had a great experience there. My only complaint is that they did not say, Hey, here's the timeline for when you're going to need to have everything out of there, you know? And so we made some assumptions when, of, of when that would be. And it turned out that we needed to have done. Now they worked with us. They, we got everything worked out. It all worked out just fine. They were great about it, but ask, you don't want to talk about that kind of stuff, but go ahead and ask, like actually make the phone call or stop somebody, you know, in the office and say, can you tell me the exact timeline of when we need to have, you know, either turn in paperwork or have things done or whatever. Other things set up a family, um, uh, I had on here checklist, 
um, which is not an exhaustive checklist, but, you know, discuss as a family, like have the conversation with your family. This is where a deadline comes in really handy, but, you know, be, be very open about it. If there's a deadline that maybe other people in the family don't really realize, like, let's say you are the one in charge. I mean, I sat here and said, oh, it wasn't a financial burden, you know, to keep the house. Well, maybe it was for my sister-in-law. I don't know. And and everything was fine there, you know, for us. But if you're the one and you know that there is a deadline, but maybe other people in the family don't realize there's a deadline, be open about what that is and why that is. Set up a family text group or a Facebook group, depending on the size of it, for open communication. And where I use that is, you know, the taking of pictures. Taking a picture saying, hey guys, I'm about to clear this spot right here. Is there anything in here that you want? And the reason I like for it to be done as a group is so that then everybody can kind of see and have a timeline on their texts or on the Facebook group of, you know, who claimed what when, basically. Um, you know, that, oh, somebody else has already claimed that. Uh, so set that up for open communication. All right. But the, the basics were, I did the easy stuff first. I mean, I walked into her living apartment and it was emotionally overwhelming. It, it just was. And, you know, we talk a lot here about decluttering paralysis. Decluttering paralysis is a very real thing. And it comes from that feeling of being overwhelmed. It can come from the feeling of being overwhelmed just because there's so much stuff, but it can also come from the feeling of being emotionally overwhelmed, experiencing those emotions and going, I don't want to deal with these emotions right now. I don't want to feel these emotions right now. I don't want, you know, but I didn't have a choice because we had a deadline. And so I just went to my own strategies that I've created over the years to work through clutter. And I said, okay, what's the easiest of the easy stuff? That's how I can get started, get moving. And that is trash. Trash is the easiest of the easy stuff. And the point there is to get moving, to break through that paralysis. But as I would get moving, then I would see things as individual things, as opposed to just this overall mass of stuff, because I'm actually, you know, picking stuff up, moving things, looking at individual spaces instead of just the room as a whole. And that helps to reduce my overwhelm as well, because I'm, I'm much more tuned into what I'm actually dealing with. I have a much more realistic perspective on what I'm dealing with. So I dealt with the trash first. Trash there is some, okay, there's some in every house, there is some in this situation. So things that were trash that were super easy was um, food packages that had been opened. You know, by the time I went in there, it was at least a week later, you know, so we had, you know, a box of Cheez-Its that had been opened. I didn't know how long this, you know, so just throwing away that kind of stuff, cleaning out the refrigerator, that type of stuff, that stuff has to be done. And that's kind of one of the things that's, I don't want to say a, a good thing, but you know what I mean? Like we're, we're going down to the, there will be nothing left in this space. So it's all going to have to be touched. It's all going to have to be dealt with at some point. So go ahead and deal with the trash first. Okay. I did leave anything that was like liquid or would have gotten gross in the trash cans. I left that for the very end, but I just went ahead and got anything that could just go straight into the trash first. And that got me going. It also got me, you know, more visually aware of what it was that I was dealing with. Um, other things were toiletries, getting rid of toiletries, magazines, puzzle books. I say puzzle books because that was my mother-in-law's passion. 
she bought so many puzzle books. That was kind of our family joke was anytime you were out, can I stop by Walmart and look for some puzzle books? You know, so we, who got to take her to take, to buy puzzle books this time. But anyway, so, you know, she had all these puzzle books that she had gone through and they were word searches is what her thing was, but you know, crosswords, whatever, that kind of stuff. Um, newspapers, unimportant, you know, mail, junk mail, things like that. All that kind of stuff is going to have to be dealt with. And by doing it first, you are breaking through that paralysis and you are getting a much better perspective overall on what you're going to be dealing with. Okay. Next of the easy stuff was um, canned goods and things like that. You know, so canned goods, I think we just donated, I think I might've brought home a couple of cans of soup or something like that. But, you know, we just donated those things, got that stuff pulled out of there kind of in its own, you know, I mean, because a lot of times you don't want to donate food to a normal thrift store because a thrift store, you know, doesn't deal in food. And so then it's just going to go to waste there. But, you know, that kind of stuff, pull those things out, you know, easy stuff for us. It was clothing. You know, I had sent out a text just to be sure. Does anybody want any clothing? Are you okay if I just pack it all up to donate? And everybody said, yes, that's fine. You know, so I didn't have to, in our situation, I didn't have to take pictures of clothing and ask if anybody wanted anything. Everybody just said, no, we don't want clothing. Go ahead and donate it. You know, so I just boxed up all the clothing. Well, once I did that, I mean, that was a lot of stuff because I mean, you know, she was down to pretty minimal living there in, you know, this very tiny little apartment situation. So, you know, dealing with getting all that out was, was getting quite a bit of it out. So, you know, sheets and towels dealing with that. Some things needed to be washed. I feel like I brought home some pillowcases just that we needed or that we could use, you know, and brought those things, but, you know, dealing with that kind of stuff, those things just need to be packed up either washed or I'm pretty sure there were a few things that I asked my sister-in-law, are you okay if I just throw this out instead of washing it? I know some people get horrified by that kind of stuff, but it was just like, we just needed to make progress. And so we made that decision on a few things, but you know, getting easy stuff done that I could say in big categories, does anybody want, I mean, really clothes are the only thing I can think of or books. It might be, does anybody want any books specifically, or does anybody want any whatever? And then everything else just gets packed away as a category to be donated. So Um, And remember too, that, you know, we had done a big garage sale before and it's not that you can't do a garage sale. I just personally have come to the point where I default to donating. And that also gives the, the opportunity if somebody says, you know, if you're very clear that you're going to donate, then if somebody else says, okay, well, I really think we should have a garage sale. Great. You can be in charge of that. So when are you going to be down here before the deadline to get that done? (laughs) Anyway, communication. Basically, I got all the easy stuff done, the toiletries, the, I got the sheets and towels done and stuff like that. Um, all those things packed away for donation and trash, you know, which I was constantly finding more things that could just go straight in the trash kitchen utensils. You know, that was something that I sent pictures of. I said, Hey, is there anything in here you want? I think my husband and I took home a, like a little cheese grater like a super old fashioned cheese grater, because I was like, you know, that's something I've actually kind of wished I had. And here's one that brings back memories for my husband and takes up a teensy tiny itty bitty amount of space in my drawer. So that was nice. I think I brought home a like saucepan, 
that my husband was really pleased when he found it in the cabinet. He was like, oh, this was my mom's pan. Um, And so it brings back a lot of memories and it's something we use consistently and it's something small, you know, that actually fit within the confines, the limits of the space that we had to give it in our kitchen cabinets. Um, So anyway, so I got that kind of stuff done and then I got down to knickknacks, you know, and so those are the ones where I took very careful pictures to say, who wants this? Who wants this? You know, which gives people the opportunity to say they want it if nobody answers. And I say, okay, does nobody want this? So I'm going to donate it. You know, I was trying to be very clear when I got to the things that I was thinking somebody was going to want, you know, are we sure nobody wants this? All right, you understand. I'm about to go put this in the donation, that kind of stuff. And then family came and got what they had wanted. You know, we had a deadline for that because of this. And they took furniture that they, you know, either used or, you know, were able to maybe had some knew someone who needed it. I think my brother-in-law had known someone who could use the, the bed that she had. So they went and got that. And then the rest went for donation, you know, so it's like we, we whittled it down, basically trash first down to where the only things left out are the furniture and the, you know, things that could be potentially sentimental because we'd gotten the easy stuff of the clothes and things that weren't sentimental at all out of there. Um, or at least boxed up. It was in the middle of the floor, but anyway, out of the visual, this is what we have to deal with stuff. Um, and so we then went through those sentimental items one by one, basically, or section by section, group by group, got those dealt with, and then the furniture had to leave. And so that is basically how we went through it. And, you know, we, we brought in those things that I think we had one box of stuff that we brought back to our house, which included, a couple of sentimental things and some those kitchen things that I'd mentioned and that kind of stuff that we brought back to our house. But everything else, the goal was not to bring it and stick it in our garage, which still we have stuff we're dealing with from a year ago, <laughs> clean out my husband's parents' house. But you know, we were not going to bring it into our house and just decide for later. It was like, no, we had gone through that process as we were cleaning it out. And because we went through that, we knew we are not bringing any of this stuff into our house. So then we went to go donate it. Of course, our situation was that in our small town, nobody was taking donations that day. That was not good. And we don't live near enough to anywhere that does on-call pickups. So we were a little bit stuck and we ended up with stuff in our front yard and just had a big old free sign on it. And amazingly, um, by the end of the day, it was all gone kind of crazy. We did have somebody who I think they had a church garage sale coming up who came and kind of got the last of the stuff. But we had a lot of people that, you know, we had two lift chairs. That was one of the main issues, which is funny, funny, but not funny how when you need a lift chair, you desperately need it. Although I know physical therapists are like, don't get lift chairs. They're not good for you. But she needed a lift chair or she wanted one. So I wasn't about to not let her have it anyway. But those lift chairs, if you need it, you need it. But if you don't need it, it's just this incredibly heavy piece of furniture that you have to deal with. But we were able to get rid of everything uh, there. And I think the only thing we were left with was my husband's humongous, I think it's bigger than 16 by 20, maybe 20 by 24 senior picture. He is 52 now. But anyway, um, yeah, that's still in my game room, whatever. Anyway, okay, I hope that was helpful. I am again, If you're not in this situation right now, enjoy not being in the situation. (laughs) 
because it's not fun to deal with at all. It's awful. It really, really is. But I hope it can be helpful. And I hope in some ways it can encourage you to, you know, maybe if you're moving or maybe if you even just kind of look at it and go, you know, there actually does arrive a day where all of this has to be dealt with. So might as well go ahead and get stuff out as I can when I can to make it less to deal with at some point in the future. Anyway. All right. Well, I will um, talk to you guys later. Bye.